Good morning, church. Um, as pastor introduced me before, my name is Will Brown. Uh, my wife, Susie, and our daughter, uh, we moved to Beijing just two months ago. Um, we've been um, living in Asia for 22 years. We were living in Taiwan working as church planters with a different organization. And um, this year, or actually last year, the Lord tapped us on the shoulder and asked us to do something different. So we responded to God and we were asked to come to Beijing by uh, this organization that we joined just this year as of May. So we're very new with family life, just um, having been with them for a few months and two months here in Beijing. I wanna introduce my family. Can we put, put the first slide up on the screen? This is my family, uh, Family Life 2016. Um, I have, we have five kids, uh, four of them are ones that um, we've raised our own and one joined our family a year ago uh, when my daughter got married to him in Taiwan. Um, our oldest daughter, Katie, she graduated from college a year ago, got married in Taiwan um, last year. Um, our, our other daughter's um, studying in college in the U.S. We have a son, um, Andy, he's on the far left. He um, is in second year of college playing basketball, loves to play basketball. Um, and our youngest, Sophia, is with us. You'll see her here in church. She went down with the high school students. Um, and then, of course, our dog that we left in America. Um, but um, this is our family, and um, today I'm going to talk about several different families um, because we are about family life, and the church is about families too. There are several premises that I want to talk about too. Also today we're gonna to be mentioning those. One is that um, God created families, he instituted families, um, and that he, the second one is, is that God is communicating with us. He communicates to us in many different ways. And um, we're gonna talk about the different ways he communicates to us. The third thing, the third premise is, is that we have an enemy, and that enemy is the devil, the evil one. And he is seeking to create alliances with you and me against God and against our spouse, if you're married, and against families. The fourth premise is that there is pressure in our lives. Can you all agree with that? There is pressure in our lives. And pressure is a silent killer. Um, there are pressures that are external. There are pressures that are internal. Um, there are pressures that are self-imposed because of decisions we've made. There are pressures that are out of our control. There are things that come to us that we can have no control over. And these pressures, if not dealt with and not faced, they will zap the energy and the vitality in your marriage, and they can also kill marriages and families if not dealt with. <clears throat> so we need to fight against the evil one for our families. We are in a battle, and we must fight him. I want to pray now. Heavenly Father, we ask you to speak to us today through your word, through the stories, through the sharing of your message. We honor you and exalt you and uh, need you to speak to us, to communicate to us, to lead us and to guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to tell you about a family that went to church every week. They were very faithful. This family cared about the teaching of God's words that even one time because of the church they were going to, they felt like they were not teaching God's word. They left that church and went to another one. They went to church every week. 
And it was part of the culture where they lived that people went to church. That was a cultural thing. Um, when their kids were born, they had them baptized in the church. When their kids got to middle school and high school, they encouraged them to go to youth group because they wanted them to be involved in the church. Outwardly, this family seemed like everything was going well for them. They had a nice home. They had nice cars. They went on nice vacations. They had a swimming pool in the backyard. They um, sent their kids to private schools for their education. They wanted to give them good educations. But inwardly, this family had a lot of problems. There was strife in the family. There was arguing and rebellion when the kids were growing up. Um, there was drugs and promiscuity in this family. Um, there was depression, disharmony. There were threats toward each other. Refusal to work on all the problems that were happening in this family. This was a Christian family, but it seemed like that their problems were this, just the same as those who were not Christians and not following God. Um, the parents in this family threatened to divorce. Three out of the four kids, as they grew up, they left the home to go to college. They left the church. They stopped going to church altogether. The oldest of these kids out of the four, the oldest got pregnant and then decided she should get married. Now, the second one was sexually abused as a young person, and it was, not, it was known and it was not dealt with. Justice was not brought. So this one grew up to be angry and bitter. The third one, um, her, when she heard that her sister was going to get married soon, she decided to get married before her, so she rushed into a marriage to somebody who was emotionally unhealthy, and after a few years, they got divorced. Two out of the three out of these four children dropped out of college, never finished what they started. What happened to this family that was faithfully going to church every week? Why did it seem like they were falling apart and having all of these problems? Didn't God want to bless them because they were being faithful going to church? Well, there were a lot of good things with this family. The parents were faithful. The dad was providing for his family, working hard. They made sure their kids were fed and protected as much as they, they could when they were in their busy lives. This family failed to keep Christ as the center of their home. They rarely, if ever, prayed together as a family. They never took out the Bible and read it together and discussed what it meant to obey God. Um, the, all the decisions that they made, they never considered God and what he thought about what they should do. How do I know so clearly about the details of this family? This was my family of origin, the family I grew up in in America. My, my family was in crisis for many years. I don't think that my family was an exception because I think that many families are experiencing the same things whether you grew up in Asia, or whether you grew up in the U.S. or Europe, um, this is a, a, a common thing. Um, families are in crisis. I think it's a very common statistic that, that um, many children are born out of wedlock. In America, on average, it's 40% of the children are born out of wedlock. So that means every night, there are 40% of the kids that are born are, are going to sleep without a father in the home to protect them. And that shouldn't be happening. In some uh, socioeconomic groups or cultures within the U.S., it's up to 70% of the kids are born out of wedlock. Divorce is high, over 40%. Where, 
whether you're in the U.S. or Europe or in, in Asia, values on the sanctity of life are low. Uh, we, in Taiwan, where we were, it's a common statistic that there are two to three times as many abortions as there are births annually in that place. Um, family life was invited by uh, an official in the, the government here to come because they saw that there's a crisis in families in China, and they wanted, they believed that we could help address those issues. Um, the crisis in domestic violence in the homes here, in divorce, and redefining marriages, and family, what family means. Surely God has a better plan for families and a better idea of how families can grow. God has a desire that you and I, if we have a, a marriage and a family, to leave a legacy um, that will last for many generations. God was addressing marriage in the Old Testament. We read this passage in Genesis. Um, in, the, in the book of Malachi, um, can you turn to, the book, um, to that passage? In Malachi, um, in the Old Testament days, there were crisis in marriage and families also. Um, there was a phenomenon in Malachi's day where men were leaving their wives, and they were, thank you, they were leaving their wives, and they were going for younger women. And so he tells them, he, he um, speaks through the Malachi, and he tells them what he's looking for in families. He said he desires that families leave a godly offspring. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and in spirit, they are his. And why? Because he was seeking godly offspring. God's desire is that we leave a godly offspring with our families. In Genesis chapter 4, we read about the, the first family, Adam and Eve. God is a God who communicates. Let's turn to the next slide. Uh, God is a God who communicates. He communicates to you and I in various ways. Um, he, told, he created Adam. He created Eve. He created the first family. He officiated at the first wedding. Um, he told them that marriage is to between, be between one man and one woman for life. They were to become one through their sexual union. It seemed that Adam and Eve had the perfect parent. The Heavenly Father was their parent. They had a perfect parent, but yet they still failed. They still rebelled against him. They sinned, and they passed on the sinful um, um, original sin to us. But they had a perfect parent. They had a, a great situation to be in, to raise their kids. They began to have kids. God told them, be fruitful and multiply. I want you to take care of the land. I want you to take care of animals. So he was communicating to them. He was teaching them what they should be doing. They had a good start. What happened to them? Like I said before, uh, Satan desires to create alliances with you and I. He did that with Eve to create an alliance against God. He did that with Adam, and he created an alliance with, against God. So God, uh, Satan continues to move as Adam and Eve have children. And he's creating an alliance, seeks to create an alliance with Cain against God. He's seeking to create an alliance, if you're married, with you against your spouse, against God and against your spouse. Well, Adam and Eve, as we know, they had two kids. They started with these two cute little boys, 
that they began to raise, and they, they trained them to work. Um, they had, they, um, one was becoming a shepherd, and one was a farmer. Um, these boys didn't have the kinds of pressures that you and I have today, did they? Um, they didn't have the bad influences. They didn't have TV. They didn't have internet. I mean, there's so many bad influences through those. They didn't have child abuse. They grew up in a family where their parents loved them. They grew up in a, in a two-parent home. They had no pressures to go to the best school in the city to get the best education. They were homeschooled. They didn't have all the kinds of pressures that our kids have or that we had. Um, they had no pressure to buy a house, to um, get a job and make a lot of money. Um, they didn't have the bad peer pressure that when your kid goes to school, he's meeting all those other kids that are influencing him. They didn't have that bad, that peer pressure to try drugs or to try to do this and that, to look at these magazines. They didn't have those kind of things. They didn't have the bad politicians or the government to have a bad influence on them. They didn't have that pressure. Um, but something happened. Something bad happened in their family. Well, there's some important aspects of families that I want us to talk about today. Um, the first one is, is the importance of healthy communication, that your family and my family, we need to be developing healthy communication. God created families, but something went wrong. There was a breakdown in communication. It says that in this passage that Cain was very angry or that he was jealous with his brother. Why was Cain jealous with his brother? What was going on? Um, as I said, Satan is trying to create alliances with us. And I think that Satan was creating an alliance with Cain. He was telling him lies. And he was getting him to believe something that wasn't true. Well, he was jealous at his brother because it seemed like his brother had a good relationship with God. His brother was offering a sacrifice to God, and God accepted his sacrifice, was pleased with it. But for some reason, when Cain offered his sacrifice, God was not pleased. What do you think would have happened? For a minute, I just want us to think. What would have happened if Cain would have gone and talked to his brother Abel and communicated the things that were going on in his heart? What would have happened? He didn't have to go to his brother and say, um, excuse me, Abel, but I was thinking about killing you. He didn't need to say that. You don't have to say everything that you're feeling and thinking whenever you're talking to somebody and trying to deal with problems. But he could have come up to his brother and said, Abel, I'm really struggling with jealousy. Please talk with me through this because I'm really struggling with this and I don't want to keep in this way. I don't want to keep feeling jealous because it's causing me to be angry at you and to resent you. What would have happened if he had said that to Abel? Well, we don't know because it didn't happen, but we do know from Hebrews, it says that Abel was a righteous man, that he was a humble man. So when you talk to a righteous and a humble person and you say you're struggling with them, I think that they probably will, will give you some grace and some understanding and try to work through things with you. God tapped Cain on the shoulder and he said, you have a problem. You got anger. You got jealousy. You need to deal with it. And you need to deal with it quickly or else it's going to overtake you. Well, we know the story. Um, Cain had God tap him on the shoulder and he didn't obey him. 
He carried through with his plans of just holding those things inside, not communicating with his brother. How did that happen in that family? That was a good family. God started a good family. Well, how, did it, how does a family that gets a good start end up shipwrecked? Well, I want you to think back for a minute about Jesus and his first miracle. Um, his first miracle, he went to a wedding, and um, the host and the hostess, they planned this wedding for a long time. They planned to have food. They planned to have wine. They wanted to make sure that everybody that came to their wedding was happy, well-fed, and enjoying themselves. But halfway through the wedding, they ran out of wine. All of a sudden, there's a crisis now. The host and the hostess are feeling embarrassed because they didn't prepare enough for everybody. How did they run out of wine? How could they have, have missed on that planning? Well, I'll tell you how they ran out of wine. They ran out of wine one glass at a time. One person drank a cup, and then another person drank a cup until it got to the place where they ran out. So what do you do whenever you run out of wine at a wedding? They called on Jesus and asked him to do something about it. So they were in the midst of a crisis, and they called on Jesus, and he came and did a miracle, and he resolved the problem. So how do families who are in crisis get there? It's one crisis at a time, one problem that's left unresolved at a time. Until you get to a place where you have a, a wine barrel that's empty and it has no life-giving power for the family. That's how families get to a place where they're shipwrecked or they're, they're just broken and falling apart. Without dealing with our brokenness and our hurts and our anger in our families, without communicating and working through these things, the family will, become, will gain, enter into a crisis. So you need to have communication, but not just any communication. It needs to be healthy communication. You need to communicate with each other to avoid the unhealthy relationships. I want to ask you now, has God recently tapped you on the shoulder and pointed out to you something in your life, a sin, a bad attitude, something you've done, an action, and how have you responded to his tapping you on the shoulder? So the first thing is, is we need healthy communication in marriages and families. The second thing is we need repentance. We need a willingness to acknowledge that what we are experiencing, what we've done is wrong, and a willingness to turn away from that sin to what God says is right. God saw that there was a problem between these two brothers, and he knew that Cain was living in sin. He went to him and he said to Cain, You've got a problem. You need to deal with your problem. And he gave him a chance to repent. God is merciful, and he gives you and I an opportunity to change, to repent, to make up for what we've done wrong. Cain had seen his parents worshiping God. He had seen them offer sacrifices. He had seen them pray to God. So he knew what true worship was. He knew what was right to do. Um, he had never seen violence on TV like we so often can put it, fill our minds with. But he still had the, the, um, the, um, the, um, the sin from birth. Um, and the anger was welling up inside of him. He had been mentored by his creator. Can you imagine that? You have God coming to you and talking to you and saying, Hey, 
this is wrong. You need to do this. He was mentored by his creator. He had God coming and talking to him and saying, you need to deal with this sin so that you and your brother can work things out and you can have a good relationship. But he chose not to. He decided instead to deal with it in his own way, the way that Satan had told him, and he went and killed his brother. Satan is the murderer, the original murderer, and he listened to him instead of listening to his heavenly father. We have the first case of family violence, domestic violence in the Bible. Healthy communication is very important in families. Repentance and acknowledging our, our failures, our sins, our wrong attitudes, and being willing to obey God. The third thing, as we talk about it, is the role of parents in, in um, families. What did Adam and Eve do wrong? Surely we could blame the parents for their kids. Cain could have blamed his parents. It's their fault that, that I um, did this wrong. Well, we don't see anywhere where God blamed Adam and Eve. He didn't say anything that they did wrong. So we have to assume that it wasn't their fault. Um, too often as parents, when you're raising kids or we're raising kids, um, and the kid does something bad or wrong, we blame ourselves too much. We say, surely it's my fault that they did that. And in the other extreme, whenever our kid succeeds, whenever they're doing well, they're polite, they're um, succeeding in school, they're loving others, we take the credit. We love to take the credit. Look at my kid. It must be because of me that he's that good or that well-behaved, and that's not true. Um, somewhere in the middle of probably those two extremes is where, it, um, where it's, the, the reality is, is that we need to be instructing our kids. We need to be setting good examples in families as a couple to communicate, to forgive, to love each other, to be filled with grace in our marriage. Um, but there is a time whenever a kid, a child grows up and makes his own decisions and he has to choose to obey God or to not obey God. We enter into relationships with great expectations, with hopes, how many people have gotten married thinking that the marriage is just a, is useless, or it's stupid, it's, there's no love? We don't do that. We usually enter because of love. We enter because this person can add to my life. We enter because of expectations that it's going to be good, that we expect the marriage and the relationship to be good. We have great expectations and hopes for families, but so often in marriage, um, it goes so quickly from the love and kindness and grace to a place where there's distrust, there's anger, there's resentment in the marriage. And the same way with families, having kids. We raise kids and we expect that this little bundle of joy is going to bring a lot of laughter to us and a lot of fun, and it's going to be enjoyable. But it's so quickly things change, and sometimes parents resent their kids they have anger toward them, and they treat them, some with, with abuse, emotionally or physical abuse. I want to tell you a story now about my experience of raising my children, one of my children in particular. I remember one time, um, after I had been married, before I started having kids, I was talking with one of my friends who had just gotten newly married. We were talking about kids, and he said, I'm not sure if I want to have kids because after working a long day and a hard day, I don't want to have to go home because then I'll have to feel like I have to play with my kids. And I looked at him and I thought, that was crazy. 
It's not that you have to, it's you get to play with your kids. This is an exciting thing. Um, I was looking forward to having a family with kids. I wanted five kids. That was my desire, to have five kids whenever um, I'm finished with it. Um, kids started coming. We had our first uh, daughter. Um, then we had another girl. And they were angels. They were so easy. It seemed like they were so easy to raise. And I just thought, man, this is going to be easy. Man, these girls, having the girls here, and they're so easy and so adorable. And it just felt like, I've, I think I've got this parenting thing down, and it's going to be an easy job. I'm just going to keep moving and getting some more kids. And Well, the third kid came. And um, if you were in Asia in the 90s, there was a typhoon that came through Asia called Typhoon Wei-un. Um, well, that typhoon came through Asia twice. You might not have heard of the second time, but the first time was as a big wind and rain in the early 90s. And in 1996, Typhoon Wei-un came again. That's my son's Chinese name, Wei-un. And he was born into our family, and he was a typhoon. He was very active. He was screaming. He was always running here and there. Um, and it's just like, after the third one, I just thought, I don't know if I can have another kid because I can't handle this one. And it just was taking all the energy out of me and his frustration because he just was not sitting down. He was not obeying. He did, he did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, at, both at school and at home. And um, wow. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a family. I loved kids. I wanted to have kids. I had every good intention of having a family and loving my kids and being kind and gentle with them. But by the time my son hit third grade, I realized I had a problem. I was angry at him all the time. I realized that when I would be in his presence, I would be gritting my teeth. I would be wanting to yell at him. I would want to just be so angry at him, I wanted to spank him because he was doing something at all the times. Because of my background, maybe it was my family of origin, I wanted to have well-behaved kids, and, and it was part of my face that if I was a pastor and a dad, and I wanted my kids to behave and to sit still so that everybody thought that I was a good dad and a good pastor. And my son wasn't doing that. Um, so when my son was in third grade, God came and tapped me on the shoulder, and he said to me, Will, you got a problem with anger. And if it wasn't for God's grace, I wouldn't have known that. He helped me to look in the mirror and to see myself and to see that I was struggling with anger. And I, the, that scared me. because, um, And I think it was him telling me, if you don't deal with this anger problem now, your son's going to grow up and he's going to resent you. He's going to hate you. He's not going to want to talk to you. And um, that scared me into saying, I need to do something quickly. And um, I had a mentor, a friend that had, who had struggled with anger toward his children, and he had worked through that. And so I started meeting with this man weekly, and I said, I'm struggling with anger. Please help me. Please pray for me. Can I meet with you? So we did that for six months. We met weekly, and we talked. He, um, he encouraged me. He prayed for me. He challenged me with tough questions about dealing with anger in my life. I don't remember all the verses he might have used, but one of them that he did use was um, in Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. Very familiar. It says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. 
but do not use your anger as a fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Uh, do not go to bed angry. Don't give the devil a foothold, the kind of foothold in your life. Well, I had a problem with anger, and I knew that somebody in that relationship between my son and me had to change. And he's nine years old, and I'm 40 years old, and I felt like I should be the more mature one, so maybe it should be me that changes. So that's what I did was I intentionally asked God to help me to change. Um, it took six months of weekly meeting and facing my anger before I began to realize that when I was in his presence, now, after six months, I wasn't angry. I wasn't gritting my teeth and just wanting to yell at him. God had changed me, and it was God's grace and God's mercy that I could begin to enjoy my son, to be proud of him. Can you turn to the next slide? Um, this was a WeChat from last month. Um, I just was thinking through that, and it's, um, I just texted him and said, hey, Andy, that's his name, Typhoon, Typhoon Andy Wei-un. I love you, and I'm well pleased with you as my son. I'm extremely proud of the man you are growing into. He's a, a sophomore in college now. Thank you so much, Dad. This is his reply. Thank you, Dad. That means so much to me. You're an awesome dad, and I'm so glad that I have a role model like you in my life. Um, this was God's grace that um, it's not to, to um, impress you with me, but it's God's grace that he could change a father's heart to um, love his son and to be proud of him and to deal with the anger. Um, God wants to do that with all of us. He wants us, when he taps us on the shoulder, he wants us to respond in obedience and to be willing to face our struggles and our, our problems and our anger. The Bible is filled with examples of families, um, both good and bad. Um, I think of Eli. Eli was a father, and it says that he refused to discipline his kids, and because of that, they rebelled, and God judged both his sons and Eli. There's Saul. Saul was a jealous, he was king, but he was a jealous king, and he was murderous. Um, he was so jealous of his son becoming friends with David that he tried to kill his own son. Imagine the legacy that Saul left. Imagine, think about the legacy of Eli as a dad. Well, there was Joseph and there's Mary. Um, they're a good example. They were both faithful to what God called them to do. Joseph cared about Mary's um, reputation and her honor. And when God called them after getting married to go because their, their lives were in danger, Joseph took his family and he protected them and left. They both obeyed God when God tapped them on the shoulder and asked them to do something. Look at the heritage of these people and what they left. Some were good and some were bad. What do you want? What kind of heritage are you leaving in your families? What can families do to experience God's blessings? One, healthy communication. We need to be pursuing, communicating with each other. Sometimes that might mean when you come home from work, dads, and you're sitting around the table to put your cell phone away and to talk to your family, to talk to your kids, to talk to your wife, and to be willing to, to um, continually just be building relationships with them. When God taps you on the shoulder, as a family member, whether it's a kid or a parent, to be willing to respond in repentance, to be willing to, to turn away from those things. 
And I think another one is that we need to value those things that God values. Try to seek to understand what does God care about for families, for your life, and to value those things. One time, somebody asked Barbara Bush, who is the um, wife of, of the first Bush that um, became president in the U.S., they asked her, what was her greatest accomplishment? What would you think that, that somebody who's married to the president says, or somebody that has a son that becomes president of a country, what would they say? What is your greatest accomplishment? Well, she said, I don't want to be remembered for the number of children who have been elected to office. I don't want to be remembered for their successes in business or how much money they've raised for charities. Um, my yardstick for success as a mother is how my children are, their character, that they're honest, decent people. And then she goes on to say, lastly, she said, all of our children still want to come home. That's the greatest accomplishment of any parent, that your kids, when they grow up and get out of the house, they miss mom and dad, and they want to come back, and they want to celebrate with you on holidays, and they want to be with you for important occasions. What an incredible thing to have that, to be able to say that that is your greatest accomplishment. Well, God has desires for our families. Can we turn to the next slide? Um, in Psalm 127, I'm going to read through that with you. Uh, there's three slides. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons and daughters are a heritage from the Lord. Children a reward from him. Solomon only wrote two psalms. This is one of them. Um, he talked about how children are a reward from God. But he said there was, in verse 1, he said there's something very important. He said that um, unless the Lord builds the house, when we think about house now, I want you to think about not a building, but a family. Unless the Lord builds your family and my family, you labor in vain as a parent. And unless you allow God to build your family, children will not be a reward. They will grow up and curse you. The family will, will fall apart. They will disintegrate. Um, it will be deteriorated. And there won't be the sense of this is a reward from God, the blessing of God, that my children are obeying God. They're loving each other. They're loving others. So unless God is the center of your family, then our labors as parents are in vain. God wants to help you grow as a family, as a marriage. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to bless you. Not everybody's going to get married. Um, some of you might never get married, but most of you will. We all start out, we all have families. We all started out in a family somewhere. That's our family of origin. And those are the building blocks of the culture, of society. Um, some families are healthy. And as families are growing in health, the society as a whole will be more healthy. If families are not pursuing health and not doing well, the society as a whole will be unhealthy. Think about the problems in, our, in China. Um, divorce rate is high. Divorce is a default for whenever you have problems. Life is not valued. This is, by the way, every country. It's not just China. This is the way people are. 
Marriage is looked down upon. Uh, building relationships and families not a priority. Faith and relationship with God is not the center of the family. It's not a topic of conversation. Redefining marriage in the West, it's happening in, in large measure now, defining the family as anything you want it to be. Dads and moms are very important in the families. Both of you are important. Both of you are needed to raise children. If you're married, your marriage is important to the rest of us here. Your marriage and the success of your marriage is important to me and to the people sitting next to you. Think about your family of origin for a moment. I shared my family of origin. Some of us grew up in healthy families. Some of us grew up in very unhealthy families. Some of us have families that are intact with both parents there. Some of you grew up with one parent in the home. Some of you where God is the center and you're talking about him and you're trying to obey him. Some of you, the center of your family was money, fame, and pleasure. Our tendency to think when you grow up in a family that's, that's unhealthy is that I'm tainted. I don't have a chance now. How am I going to be a parent? How am I going to have a good family? But the good news is, is that God can rewrite your story. That's the exciting news. Our son-in-law came from a very dysfunctional single-parent home, and we told him that you are going to write a new story. God wants to write a new story through your marriage to my daughter, and we're going to trust that God will lead you and guide you. God can redeem us from our past. That's exciting news. In First, uh, Second Corinthians 5, 17, says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, new things are come. So that is your story. If you're in Christ, you have new things coming. God is going to rewrite your story. If you're married and you have kids, God desires that you bring them up as a godly heritage to love and obey him. If you're single, God desires that you influence your friends and your coworkers to love God and to obey him. That will be your godly heritage. Let's turn to the next slide. Today's big idea, if you leave with one idea from this, is that God desires that we leave a godly heritage, whether it's through our kids that were born or through spiritual kids that we've led to the Lord and we've influenced them to walk and to love God. So what is your heritage? What will your heritage be? Malachi said that God desires that we have a godly heritage. This ring right here, is a replacement ring for a ring that my grandfather gave me when I was a young boy. Um, I loved that ring, and I wanted that ring when he was alive, and I got it whenever he, was, whenever he died. He passed it on. It's the one thing I got to remember my grandfather. Well, when I got married and living in Chicago, one of my neighbors broke into our house and stole that ring along with other things. I couldn't replace it. We spend so much time preparing an inheritance for kids, houses, money, uh, things. But in a second, those things can disappear. God wants you and I to prepare a, an inheritance for our kids and our grandkids that can't be stolen by a thief. It's something that will last for eternity. God wants married people and single people to be able to pass on that good example of living in harmony 
with other people, of a faithful character, of loving and serving people. So your life and your beliefs matter to your kids. And not only to your kids, but they matter to your grandkids. That's the inheritance, the heritage that you can leave for the next many generations. Our kids, our little ones, are watching us. They're observing us, and they learn by watching us what it means to walk with God and to worship God. Let's turn to the next slide. In, in closing now, I'm going to ask three questions, and I want you to take these back and to think about them. How are you making time to communicate with others? Our God is a God that loves to communicate with us. How are we communicating with others? How have we been doing in that area recently? The second one, what ways will you allow God to work in you, through you, at work, at home, and in school? And then the third one, what do you need to do in response of God revealing to you that an attitude or action is wrong? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that you don't allow us to live in our sin, that you come and you talk to us, you communicate with us. Thank you for families. Thank you that you created the family. You created that institution of marriage because you desire to bless the generations that come. You desire children to grow up to be a reward and inheritance for marriage and family. Thank you, Lord, that even if we grew up in a family that was, was unhealthy, was hurtful to us, that you can rewrite our story in our generation and the next generation to bring good things, to bring blessing. So, Lord, we want to respond to you in obedience when you tap us on the shoulder, whether it's to go do something in obedience to you or whether it's to change something we've done wrong. We need your help. We need your grace. Holy Spirit, we allow you, we invite you to come in and speak to us and to give us strength and courage to face those things. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.